I'm Gail Gibson, accredited master performance coach, international speaker, podcast host, and author. Known as the Can Do Coach, I thrive on enabling leaders to step up, shake it off, and shine. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can-do stories of growth, resilience, and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can-do approach. Each one of their stories is unique. Each one of their stories has a key message. In this episode, I'm talking to Samar Sabir, Women Empowerment Coach, International Speaker, Advocate for Girls Education and an Industrial Engineer based in Quebec in Canada. Welcome, Samar. Welcome, Gail. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Wonderful. If we can first take a short walk through your life, Samar, if you can give us a glimpse of your background and how you arrived at helping women break the chains of social conditioning, peer and cultural pressure, and live life on their own terms. Oh, yeah, definitely. It is one of uh, the ways that I actually share with women around the world to introduce myself is, first of all, I grew up in Morocco. So if any of your audience don't know exactly where it is, it's in Africa. It's the northern area of Africa. It's a beautiful, beautiful country in which I grew up in a very heavy social conditioning towards what girls and women actually should or should not do. It is definitely a beautiful country in which you're going to find women in all scopes of every domain possible, but we are not as present as the male presence. And uh, me going from the little girl I was into actually opening my eyes into all of the different options I might have in the future, this small instance that I want to take your audience and you, Gail, with me is imagine me at the council's uh, office and I was super, super excited and I started wanting to know what my future is going to be holding for me. And I have so many questions. You know, I was in high school. So that's the time when you actually get to know, okay, I want to be an engineer. How can I do that? And I asked him that question with so much enthusiasm and so much passion into it. And his answer was definitely devastating. He started kind of giggling as if I said something wrong. And all of that giggle kind of went into waves. The whole classroom started murmuring, giggling. And he was like, well, it's definitely a job in which you're not going to be dressing up very well and nicely. Probably go ahead for something else. And I, I felt like I went from being in such a beautiful big bubble that I'm opening up myself to the whole world and what it brings in the future to actually being, you know, hidden inside of that bubble and really just looking at Um, like inwards. And since that moment, to be completely honest, I kind of had this call in me that there is no one out there who can tell me what to do and what not to do. I am the creator of my own life and I get to actually choose a path. Is it going to be flawless? Is it going to be without any obstacles? No. And I actually wouldn't want that. It's going to be boring, wouldn't it, Gail? Most definitely. (laughs) From that day on, and the beauty about it is I got to work in the industrial engineering world. I got to work with practically in every company I went in, the whole engineering team was male. And then there is me. And you see that the approach, you see that the world, whether it's in Morocco, whether it's in here in Canada, when I decided to move in Canada, because I thought, you know, 
very much developed world. I'm going to be finding an open world that is going to be embracing every single woman. And to my own mistake, that was not the truth. Uh, because everybody right now is speaking about, you know, the COVID pandemic, but there is another pandemic that has no borders, is women are still not having the place they should be having in society. To me, that's the true pandemic. And when I came to Canada, I opened my eyes into that and I stumbled again into so much depression, just knowing that, oh my God, okay, I thought I'd be having a fresh start, but it's not. So then I understood that it's definitely not something that society is going to give me. It's something that I'm going to give for myself. And even when I came to Canada and I worked as an engineer, everybody kind of saw it in a, in a different scope. But why you choose that field? Why not is the actual question that we need to be asking. And from being that 16-year-old girl in the council's office, being turned down with murmurs and you know giggles, I decided it's not something I want to be doing just for myself. Because I want to see other women. I want to see other girls. I want to see other teenagers actually, you know, shining, deciding what to do for themselves. Let us do it. Let us fail. And let us, you know, get back up again and do it once more. So the more I got into that joy, into that beautiful passion of seeing girls either studying with me when I was doing my engineering or my master's after that, or even working in the engineer field, when I see women either speaking, in a not so beautiful way to themselves or saying demeanor things, especially in the workforce. I kind of found it my responsibility to give them a word of inspiration, give them a word to lift them up. Because us women, if we do have something, is the power to not only do something good for ourselves, but for the communities around us, for the whole world. If we are anything, we're not egoistic. I mean, we are caregivers. And I decided to take that to the next level. And whenever I see a, 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 my classmate, my coworker, uh, a woman in the streets, I decided it's, it's time to, to show her that her smile is not something she needs to be just showing in order for her to be feeling beautiful. It's a smile of I can do it in the way that I want to. And I am allowed to take a path, whether it's going to be hard or difficult, let it be my own decision and let me go through that path. And that's where women empowerment actually came from, because I found myself being approached by so many women and telling me, oh, I love the way that you say it, that it, it gives me a new idea. It gives me a new way of defining who I am, my own identity. And I found that it is something that the world needs. And it's beautiful when women lift each other up instead of actually being competitive or, uh, you know, not really collaborating together. We are way better when we collaborate together. So that's where women empowerment came along. Fantastic. What an, what an amazing and incredible uh, introduction. You know, the whole, I've been smiling and, and also listening as you were talking about that time you were shot down when you were 16 and you were told that you couldn't do something. And it's like that disappointment, but at the same time, you've risen above that and you have lived and breathed ever since that time, this can-do mindset that we talk about in the show. So one of the first points I wanted to tap into there, listening to you with your start in life, you seem to be somebody who is very curious and this has brought about a lot of change in your life as well. So tell me more about how curiosity has got you where you are today. Mm, that's beautiful. I've never been asked it that way. Uh, curiosity. 
if there is someone I need to thank for that, because there is no one who, you know, is doing beautifully in life without having a role model, whether they're aware of it or not. And that curiosity element, I definitely got it from my father. Always go and look for things. Never find yourself unable to ask a question. And he used to ask me this beautiful thing after a long day after school. He's like, have you tried something new today? Have you failed at something today? And that to me always gave me that push of wanting to learn more as if instead of always excelling at things, I needed to try something that I've never tried before and to actually fail at it because that means I'm trying out of my comfort zone. I definitely am someone who loves adventure and I despise <laughs> routine, if I even may say that. I mean, <laughs> yes. growing up, I learned how to appreciate routine as well. It is part of me feeling empowered, not necessarily being active all day long. I learned that a little bit the hard way. But curiosity and how it helped me is the fact that I don't take anybody's say and I don't let anybody's voice be louder than mine. That's how I define curiosity. Because nowadays, it's not about lack of information. There is an abundance of information. We can find information by a click of a hand. It's lack of resourcefulness and not resources. So I'm always curious about, okay, this person said they tried it and their experience was a bad one. But what I know is everybody is unique. So how can I take their own results of their own experience and kind of project them on mine. I'm kind of not doing myself a service. So I need to be more curious. Whether it's, you know, about buying a car or getting to know somebody new, I've, I've not, I, I don't say no. Of course, there is your gut feeling. And mm-hmm. I find that it's the most beautiful thing that us women have. And we kind of tend to let go of it because we have been trained that way, either by society or peer pressure or culture or whatever it is. My gut feeling, the more I listen to it and lead with my heart, yes, I have my mind. Um, I mean, I have been studying, uh, I studied as an engineer, so I have definitely a logical mind, as you can say. But the more I, I, I let my heart have a say and I let my voice be a little bit loud, just, just listen to it and let that curiosity take you places you've never been, get you a little bit out of your comfort zone. I've never, I've never regretted it, to be completely honest with you, Gail, whether it's something that actually was successful from the first get-go or something that I needed to try once and twice and three times in order for me to get it right. Because once again, I am a true believer about your mindset is what dictates what you create in your life. And to me, there is no failure. There is just another lesson to be learning, uh, a worthy new opponent that's going to make it a little bit more difficult. (laughs) You're going to take a little bit more time and try harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's wonderful to hear that that pinnacle person in your life and your father and he encouraged that in you from a young child. And, you know, mm. how, how do you feel then that the work that you do with your women's empowerment, how do you blend in the idea of curiosity to help them to also look the way that you do and say, you know, there is no failure, it's just another lesson to learn? Mm, beautiful. Um, I have worked with women from all types of backgrounds and all types of ages from the youngest is a beautiful girl from Malaysia, by the way, she's 16 Mm -hmm. to my friend that I'm not even calling like a woman that I work with. She's literally my friend. She's like 68 years old and she is based in Florida, USA. And what I have seen, it's that regardless of your background, 
regardless of your age, regardless of what type of experiences you've had in life, we've all been programmed by our environment. And curiosity, especially in women, sometimes is seen as a bad aspect to have. Oh, she's rebellious. She's dangerous. Those are usually the titles. Uh, I work with a lot of business owners as well. And the more we are in that entrepreneurial kind of mindset, the more we have inner struggles that we don't want to be seen. You know, we are so hard on ourselves. Uh, if you have entrepreneurs from your audience, I'm pretty sure they can relate to this one. I mean, the most creative people are entrepreneurs, but at the same time, when you hear them speak about themselves, they're the most critical, they're the most hard mm -hmm. on themselves. Mm -hmm. And there's curiosity there. But sometimes we let go of it just to get into stability or, okay, risk-free zone. And what happens is usually it's all about where, where they grew up, what type of environment they are living in at even that moment, or what is the circle of friends or family they're having and how are they influencing them? Because we are social creatures and we tend to grab aspects from the people that we tend to be with the most. I mean, if you just look at you and your partner and if you have kids or if you have family and friends, you're definitely with them because you have something in common. But what happens most of the time is you even grab things that you didn't have, but you start adopting. So that element of curiosity, when you stop having it, when you stop being curious about, okay, let me see what's happening in the outside world, you're going to stay in this enclosed bubble and you're not necessarily growing. The problem is when we are not growing and that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm, I'm not meaning growing by getting taller. <laughs> so we'll do all that. I mean, growing in experience, growing, trying something out of your comfort zone, taking a little bit of risk here and there. If we stop doing that, we think that we are going to stay stable, but unfortunately, it's not the case. We are actually degrading. Things that you do not practice are going to go away. Things that you are not necessarily you know, dealing with or taking action upon, they're going to go away. So curiosity is actually saving us, whether it's curiosity in food curiosity and okay that person is just standing there they seem miserable let me probably just smile at them this is going to be my good deed of the day that can actually save somebody else if if not doing it for yourself do it for somebody else at least curiosity in raising kids and seeing what's their interests curiosity in stepping outside of my comfort zone to go and reach somebody halfway or even go the whole way whether it's in a relationship with partners, with family, we need to be aware that curiosity is more saving us in so many beautiful aspects than we know. Let me just share this small, simple example. I've always said this to myself. This is one of my biggest disempowering beliefs that I let go of, which is I grew up in a body that has wide hips. Okay? All the women mm -hmm. healing this podcast, you know what I mean. You have that idea inside of you, whether it's about your hips, whether it's about a part of your body, whatever it is, hair, face, we have lack of confidence in some area of our bodies as women because we grow with that like low self-esteem. And what happened is I always thought yoga isn't for me. Yoga is for thin women who actually probably only drink water the whole day. And that's why they're surviving or something like that. And I reached a very, very bottom of my life, like the most the lowest energy, the lowest state possible that I have ever been. That's been around four and a half years ago. And that 
when you see me in the outside world, I was doing amazing job-wise. I just finished my master's degree. I managed to get into the biggest firms for engineering. I was looking amazing. From the outside, everybody thinks that, okay, she is doing something good. But from the inside, I wasn't feeling good. I was feeling mostly insecure. I couldn't see myself in the mirror. I was giving myself the most heinous adjectives possible that every single day today, I am saying to myself, I'm sorry, I apologize and I love you, just to try and keep on recovering from what I have put myself through. And I decided to go for yoga. It was my own challenge. And I was like suffering at first, but the more I did it, the more I knew that it's for everybody. Anything is for everybody. And my horizon started opening up on seeing curvy girls doing yoga, old women doing yoga, old men doing yoga. Every person can do yoga from kids to whatever shape you're at. It has nothing to do with your body or what it is capable of doing or with your finances or with your background. It has more to do with what you believe you are capable of doing and what you are valued at. And that's where I leave it. That's most important to be addressed, you know, just listening to that brilliant example that you shared about letting go of those um, disempowering beliefs that we hold on to. And I'm sure that is a huge part of the work that you do in your women's mm-hmm. empowerment as well. You know, just listening to what you were saying, these are these are challenges that you're working through. These are tools that you are equipping yourself with to become more resilient. And, and it's really creating this this can-do person that you have become. So one of the other areas I wanted to step into with you was you you went from this pinnacle moment in your life where you said, I'm going to follow my dream and become an engineer. You took yourself away from Morocco and you moved to uh, Canada and you went into a very male-dominated industry. So tell, tell our listeners, how do you feel that you had to work through that challenge? Because as you said, you thought that going to Canada maybe would be more on an equal footing, that there would be this this, this more of an equality between women and men. However, in the industry you chose, tell us about some of the challenges you had to work through and how you became resilient and and still took that journey of can do to the next level. Mm, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'm hoping if, if there are women who are listening, you know, lawyers or doctors or whatever field, especially if you are a teenager right now, I hope you get to listen to either this or other podcasts about this because it's really, really important to educate at a very young age. Mm-hmm. In my case, what happened is when I started working as an engineer, let's just speak about the Canadian experience. I really was expecting, you know, oh, I am a woman, but I am still in a developed world, so it's going to be different. Let me give you like the most small example of discomfort that I have felt as a woman, and men thought that it was okay to act that way. The simplest of examples is when I step into the plant, because as an engineer, you are definitely working in a factory or in a plant of that matter. The moment I step into a plant or a factory, they actually do not hesitate to start giving you compliments about your body. Mm. I'm speaking about a professional person. I am a professional woman coming to do my job. We are working in a company that is professional and we are speaking about a very, very critical. And this is something, this is an example that always comes first in mind 
there was this day where I had to go even earlier because there was this big, huge machine that is, you know, the biggest, most important thing in the whole process. It was stopping. It was not a mechanical issue. It was not an electrical issue that we needed to know what's going on. So I had to go in early to do a little bit of diagnosis and analysis. And I was really in a hurry. You can see it from the way that I was stumping. You can see from the way I was walking. I was in a hurry. And I walk across this man. He's very friendly. And I'm, I'm someone who likes to smile to people. I do not actually care if you think of my smile of it being just a simple smile or you think of it something else. That's your problem. That's not mine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do me first. and you. I do not care about how you interpret things because this is one of the biggest communication issues that we have in society in general, interpretation. So I, I, I walk across him and I say good morning because that's the way I function. And he finds that good morning as a cue to start a conversation. And he stops me and he knows that there is a crisis awaiting me. And I was like, okay, can you brief me up while we're walking? Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, they're going to find it. You look really lovely today. Have I ever told you that your hair is beautiful? Mm. And he starts leading with this conversation and he finds it very normal. Mm. And I know that probably if a male is listening to this podcast, he might think that it's normal, but believe me, it's not. Because am I, if, if it's in a conversation that strikes it, I'm, I'm all all right about it. I mean, who doesn't like compliments? For God's mm-hmm. sake, everybody likes compliments. But there are situations in which you need to understand that I am not just a corpse. I am not just a body. I am not just whatever image you have of a woman. That moment, I am an engineer. And that's just a very simple example. But to tell you how I became resilient is, especially in that specific factory, what happened is, There wasn't just one example of a man who acted that way. It was the whole culture of the whole company. So what happened is I was kind of, it's like a punch after a punch from Mm -hmm. a comment and then another comment and then another comment. And the more I hear them, I decided, okay, do not interact. Do not interact. But I was holding my voice actually. And that's, that's what I want all the women, teenagers who are listening. You have the right to speak up. Even if it's in a job environment, even more in a job environment, because you're going to be working with that person, let it be seven hours or eight hours a day, five days a week. You do not have the luxury to not speak up and not tell them what you think. The same way they thought it's okay to say whatever they said, it's also okay for you to speak up and say, I do not feel comfortable when you say that. And I approached the person and I said that to him. And I knew that he was going to be kind of the example for everybody to hear about it. And I did it in a private manner because I didn't want to make it a scene or anything, but I said it. I said, I actually do not feel comfortable when you start these conversations with me. I would appreciate it if we kept this professional. I would appreciate it if there is a a conversation after a lunch or something, I'm okay with that. But when we are working, I would appreciate it if we keep it professional. And he was actually shocked. He was like, but why? I was like, I do not owe you an explanation. I just don't appreciate this type of conversation. And I would appreciate more, a bit of respect towards the professional, you know, sphere that we're at. And some people are going to react to it. Again, it's not your problem. It's this. (laughs) So if there is anything to say about working in a male dominant field to any woman who's listening, remember that your voice is 
and always should be louder than anybody else's. Do not think about the consequences because they should be thinking about the consequences. That's all I have to say about that. Fantastic. And that really, that, that truly meets with the point you made right at the start where you were sharing the reason why your purpose behind the women empowerment work that you do about enabling women to rise and to shine. Mm-hmm. But the, the most important thing you said, whoever's listening to this, it's about let's do this together to stand up, to have that voice and say that I can do this as well is is what I've taken away from what you just shared. And I think it it can't be said loud enough and without more and more women like yourself sharing their stories yeah. um, for other women across the globe, but not just for women. You know, as you said, even when you, you first shared that part about the man saying, let's have this casual conversation and has anyone told you you look beautiful and your hair is magnificent, Imagine that turned on them. Women don't go up to men in the workplace and say those same types of things to men and say, oh, you look really fit at the moment. You've been working out at the gym and you look, your, your shave is really um, close to the face this morning. We, we, don't, we don't bring those types of conversation to the surface. So it's, it shouldn't be in any mm-hmm. conversation anywhere. So it's just, it's not part of the work ethic and it's not part of the the yeah. role that we are playing it is as you said you are an engineer just like the man that you were talking to and you are in mm. on equal footing there's no hierarchy involved so thank you so much for sharing that story so i wanted to ask you then samar you you mentioned yoga before and being somebody who has a, a fully booked life it sounds to me that you are an engineer you speak and you you do your women's empowerment coaching what do you do to step away and to give yourself time to recharge and reset your mind oh gail this is one of my favorite questions <laughs> uh, because truly as i told you at that certain level, when people thought I was doing good, what wasn't going good inside is I wasn't taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, speaking of today as well, every single day, no matter what's happening in my life, I can be having everything booked, every single minute booked. I always give myself two hours a day to actually focus on me. That's why I wake up early. It, it comes with a price but I enjoy it because I enjoy how it transformed me. So two hours before ever deciding to switch on my phone, look at what people saying, drive to my job or have a call with a client, I wake up and I do a very simple morning routine that you can extend because I have arrived at a stage in which I extend it now. There is a beautiful quote by Tony Robbins. You know, I'm a big fan of Tony mm-hmm. Robbins. He says, uh, you need to meditate at least 10 minutes or five minutes a day. And if you are busy, then you need to meditate 20 minutes a day. (laughs) Meaning that if you are the most stressed person in your life, then you definitely need to put even more time for you to recharge, as you said. So for me, I'm going to share this formula with everybody who's listening, a woman or a man. You can make it your own. You can do it at the beginning of the day or at the end, but I would definitely recommend the beginning because We have a calm mind that has rested and had a beautiful time to rest. It's time to recharge it with something good before going out there and doing whatever you need to do. So the formula is very simple. 
It's third, activating your body. And that could be anything. For me, it's usually workout or yoga. Sometimes I do dance. Sometimes I just stretch. So you make it yours. If you have the labor, uh, the chance to actually go out and have a walk in nature, that's going to be amazing for you. Activate your body because the brain is going to be even more alert when you activate your body first. You need to start a little bit of sweat. It could be dancing. And after that, that's the perfect moment to actually go into gratitude, into meditation, into stillness. A lot of people think that in order for you to go into meditation, you need to be calm. Actually not. You need to have been in a very hyperly active brain activity. Then your mind is going to be ready to shut down everything and not think. Because meditation is nothing more than stillness and having like a blank space to recharge. So meditation, you have plenty of options out there. It doesn't need to be that much spiritual. If you're not a spiritual person, it could be just sitting down and giving yourself three minutes. Each minute, say something you're grateful for. Because gratitude is definitely the antidote to anger and to fear. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing to upgrade our lives, to actually start in the day by saying thank you? And everything you choose, I want you to go a little bit deeper. Don't say thank you because I have my partner. Why? Because he gives from his time to make me feel comfortable. Because he comes and gives me a hug, like unconditionally, without any purpose. Because he cooks when, I, when he knows that I am busy or something. Because he takes care of the kids. Because he loves to come and touch me and stuff like that. Because he knows that I love that language of body. Or it can be, I am grateful for having a roof over my head. So many people lost a lot, especially lately in the COVID pandemic. So taking the time to say thank you for just having a roof over your head, whether it's what you imagine and what you dream of or not, you actually have a roof over your head. Why do you feel grateful about that? Oh, it's because there is rain outside, but I'm covered inside of my house. Or there is snow outside and I'm covered because it gathers me with my family, because it gives me shelter, for example. You can say I'm grateful for me, for yourself. That's the biggest of gratitudes. I'm grateful for me because I actually give myself the time to sit down and just think of how my life is amazing in any scope. Your life is amazing doesn't mean you need to be having a mansion in a Lamborghini. I don't have those, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Being grateful is a state that you feel from within. The more you feel it from within, the more you're going to be attracted more about it. And then the last part of it, the third part is learning something. It could be a podcast, and I suggest Gail's podcast, of course. Or it could be reading a book. It could be listening to a book if you are in commute. It could be reading a novel. It could be writing something. There are so many ways for you to learn. But take the time because after you're feeling gratitude and feeling a little bit of stillness, your mind is alert. It's going to capture a lot of information. So read something. Cultivate yourself. It's not always about what you're studying. For example, if you are a finances student, Go and read something about, I don't know, a story about a woman who's, you know, having kids and how she raised them or learn something outside of your comfort zone. That's really, really beautiful. And I'd love to see uh, some of your audience who are going to actually go and adopt this and see the feedback. That's been more than a year and a half, every single day, no matter what, whatever's happening in my life, I give myself that time. It could be five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. And nowadays, it's more about 
you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and then 40 minutes of learning and having a beautiful breakfast or hydrating and something like that. So two hours for myself. That's luxury. Not everybody has it. That's beautiful. And, you know, I live and breathe exactly the same way. My morning doesn't get started until I've had my two hours and I made that. I made that a part of my life um, early last year. And, and as you say, it becomes... It becomes a positive routine, and I like you as somebody who doesn't like routine per se. Yeah. <laughs> However, this is a is my go to and a much needed place of powering up my day, um, nice. and I embrace many of the features that you shared. And I know that a lot of the people that listen to this podcast and also clients of mine across the world have become more aware of making that time for themselves, whether it is the mm-hmm. start of their day. And for a majority of them, it is because it's it's getting yourself set up. It's it's reactivating the body, getting it moving, getting the mind moving and getting yourself into a sense of who you want to be for that day and powering up that person you want to be so that you can go out and deliver yourself at your peak performance level as well. So thank you so much for the process of what you go through and I'm sure it will help other people as well. So we come oh. to the part of the podcast and I know you've just shared those that three-step approach to your two-hour uh, you time in the morning, but what would be three short can-do tips you could share with my audience today? Mm, simplest of them all, if you want to activate your body, wake up with, with a smile. If you are if you are in a bed alone, smile because you decided to wake up. So many people hit the snooze button. If you are next to someone or if you have kids, smile to them, all of them. That's a beautiful way to activate your body. And even the laziest of people can't have an excuse to say no to smiling. It starts endorphins in your system. You start the day in a very beautiful way. You have all of the chemicals that we call like serotonin and all of that, the happiness chemicals. They're going to stop bursting in all of your body. You're going to feel very much alive. And after that, as I said, you can be taking a shower and just thinking of what you're grateful for in life. You can choose one, you can choose two, you can choose three, and just skim through all of the beautiful images. Put yourself in that vision, as you said. Start your day envisioning how you'd like it to be. And the third and last element, if you're not someone who's into reading, for example, or listening to the podcast in the morning, this could be a beautiful thing you can actually start putting forward, starting your day is have an intention for your day. What is something that if you accomplish it that day, it's going to be freaking successful, (laughs) amazingly successful. And it doesn't need to be, I I don't know, I need to book a client of $10,000. No, it could be, okay, today. That's been a long time. I didn't reach out to my sister. I'm going to send her a message and tell her I love you. That could be your intention for the day. Your intention for the day can be if you go to a job, actually go to a job now in an office, it could be I want to make a joyful presence in that job. And I'm not going to let anybody change my mood because I'm in control of that. If I make that happen throughout the end of the day, my day is already successful. So simple tips for you to really start owning your day. And as you said, Gail, to have a vision of how you want it to be, leading it, not led by it. That's wonderful. And it really, when you said wake up with a smile, you know, that's why 
as I said, it's 7 a.m. in uh, yeah. Malaysia here and you're at 7 p.m. in Canada, but you've woken my day up with a smile now and, and I am always grateful each morning. But I love that third point you have shared about having that intention for your day, knowing why you're going to do something and having mm-hmm. a real true sense of purpose behind it. And that just that just speeds that momentum up, doesn't it? And then your day yeah. rolls and rolls and rolls. And as you said, you can have the most sensational day every day when you set yourself up to, to be powered through the day with that thought. So thank you so much for those three tips. So my final question for you, Samar, is why do you feel a can-do attitude is absolutely essential? Because why not? Because you have so much potential within you, all of us. No matter our background or where we grew up, we all have tremendous amount of potential within us. When you adopt the can-do attitude, it's you giving yourself permission to tap into all of that potential. So many people, they're walking and they're dragging behind them all of the potential they can actually lead their life with. And they're just dragging it. They don't know what to do with it. They decide to say, no, I can't. And they they decide to let other people's voices or opinions louder than their own, louder than all of that potential. And they are definitely not thriving in life. The can-do attitude is about giving yourself permission to tap into that potential and taking action on it. Works, amazing, let's do more of it. Doesn't work, let me adjust my approach. This is more of a general view, but this is your way of approaching your life. We all have been put on this planet to tap into that potential. You can only do that when you adopt the can-do attitude. Wonderful. What a wonderful end to a deeply enjoyable conversation and you know I just want to say thank you so much Samar for being my guest you know you walk your talk and everything that you have shared this morning just says to me that you are such a true advocate for empowering women to enable them to rise and shine but as you said at the start that when we do this together we can make it even stronger and we can we can lift each other um, to elevate our lives and our mindsets to achieve whatever we set ourselves out to achieve. So thank you so much for being my guest today. Oh, thank you so much, Gail. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you to all of your audience. You guys are amazing. And uh, I have really, really enjoyed this conversation. Wonderful. Thank you. Have a lovely evening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, The Can-Do Way. Do you live and breathe the can-do attitude? Since 2019, my podcast has gifted listeners across the globe access to an incredible selection of guests with stories to refresh your perspective, bring you joy and inspire can-do positivity. Always curious and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be a guest on my weekly show. If you have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience or an intriguing story to share, then drop me an email at gailmgibson.com. Until next week's show, do share the inspiration of the Can Do Way podcast with your friends, colleagues and clients, and wherever you are listening from in the world. Remember to make every day an amazing can-do day.